Welcome to the Kenza Pod, brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. P&L, profit and loss statement, income statement, they're all the same thing, but what are they? What is this report, this profit and loss, P&L? Why should I be looking at it? Why should I care? Um, what should I even do with it? How often should I look at it? Do I have to look at it? These are all of my own personal questions and maybe some of your personal questions out there in listener land. So on today's episode of the Kenza Pod, Beth is here to school us on the basics of this important report to start. And then we're going to get into some really practical applications. So understanding um, what to look at uh, on this report, how often to look at it, what action items you should take by the information you're getting from it. Um, so if you want to pause this podcast episode and you're in a place to do this, go download your own profit and loss statement from your accounting software that we hope you're using and follow along with us. See the terms that are in there, see how it's laid out. And um, hopefully by the end of this episode, you have answers to all the questions I asked in the beginning, which is what the heck is this? Why does it matter? Why should I care? When should I look at it? And what should I even do with it in a nutshell? (laughs) So, hey, Beth, welcome. Hey, 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 hey. So um, when, if if you are going and downloading a copy of your P&L, let me give you some guidelines. First of all, make sure it's for a completed month. Um, And when we say completed month, what we mean is a month that has been closed and reconciled. Um, Tiffany, do you know what that means when I say closed and reconciled? If not, it's okay. I'm going to tell I'll you what I do, it. and you tell me if this is if this is right. So okay. what I think it is is that I've gone into all of the expenses that flow into my or any transactions that flow into my um, accounting software through mm-hmm. checking account or credit card account. I've looked at each one myself and said, yeah, this actually does belong here. Oh, no, I actually did a personal expense on this credit card. Let me delete it out of here. And then I've categorized it if my software hasn't done it for me already. Sometimes there's something random in there and they're like, oh, this is just uncategorized. And you're like, oh, that was, you know, um, postage, for example. (laughs) Postage. (laughs) I'm laughing because Beth and I were talking about (laughs) the example of postage is just kind of, we don't really use postage that much anymore. But anyway. So that's yeah. what my idea of, of what you're saying, that's what I think it is. Is that right? That's good. And also, do you then compare your bank statement with your financials or with your financial software to make sure you've accounted for everything on the bank statement? That's a negatory because I just okay. assume that it came in. So you're just saying make sure that nothing broke in that process? Well, what, what you want to do is take your bank statement at the end of a month and compare it, um, most financial accounting softwares will have a way that you reconcile, which is where you take your bank statement, you look at what's in your, your accounting system, and you check off all the items as you look at your bank statement. And at the end, you'll say, okay, I've checked these all off, and uh, you know the, the software will say, here was your beginning balance, you make sure that matches your bank statement. Here was your ending balance, you make sure that matches. And then you reconcile, which is you saying, yep, 
everything in here matches my bank statement. So many, uh, just about all accounting softwares, I would think, offer some means of reconciling to the bank account. They also offer a means of reconciling to a credit card statement. So this is all important stuff and allows you to have a second check and make sure that you've entered all the transactions that you have. And um, so assuming, uh, dear listeners, assuming that you have entered correctly all of your transactions for a month and that you've reconciled it to your bank account, what you can do is you can go back and you can print a P&L report and make sure you don't have it for like, you know, we're halfway through the month now and we're recording this. Don't run P&Ls for like half months or, you know, a week into the month. Run it for the month end date, the reconciled month end, because then you'll also be able to run a balance sheet and the two things will agree with each other. Um, and they'll be complete. And so a reconciled month, end of the month, day, and then that's also one to run your balance sheet. So that's how to get started. Now you're going to have a P&L report, which is going to say profit and loss or income statement or statement of financial activity, something along those lines. And what, what it's going to be is all the transactions, all the P&L transactions. So the income and expense account transactions for the period of time that you're running that report for. So if you're running it for first quarter of 2021, for example, that's going to be January 1st to March 31st, 2021. And then that will give you all of the income. So all of the money that, that you invoiced your clients that came in and all of your cost of goods, which is the expenditures that you did in order to deliver your clients work to them. And as well as all of your general and administrative expenses. So postage, um, insurance, um, any, any other, you know, day-to-day -day expenses. You may have some automobile expenses in there. You might, you might, uh, your business might reimburse you for some gas if you're going and visiting clients or if you're, um, if you have to host meetings as part of your business, then, you know, and you have to buy coffee for everybody that shows up, maybe you're, um, expensing that, um, and your payroll for yourself, uh, is probably getting expensed as part of those general overhead expenses. So Tiff, where are we right now? And how do you feel about all of the, all of what I've just said? And do you have any questions? Yes. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty <laughs> good. So I've gone into my, I've made sure that I've reconciled. Let's just stick with this example of Q1 of 2021, because it's good timing. Um, I've reconciled my my first quarter. I know, you know, I've done that sort of month to month. I'm good to go. I've, okay. I've set that date range in there and I've downloaded my P&L. And, and something that you mentioned that I want to dig into a little bit more is the difference. So the, the types of expenses that a business has. So there's cost of goods sold and then uh -huh. there's just regular old sort of overhead expenses, um, deductible uh -huh. expenses, things like that. So maybe you can explain the difference between those two types of expenses and also why we care about the difference of those two. 
Yeah. So the cost of goods sold is a quick, uh, first of all, if you take your income and you subtract your cost of goods sold, you're going to have what's called gross profit. And that's going to give you a quick read on whether or not what you're doing even makes sense. So let's say for the sake of argument, I am, um, I'm billing my client a thousand dollars a month and it's costing me $1,500 to produce the goods and services that I'm selling to them and resulting in a negative gross profit of $500. And that's before I've even included any of my overhead expenses like the power bill and postage and insurance and anything else. Um, you know, I'm already losing money before I even like turn the lights on in the morning. So that makes me look at that and say, hmm, I should be charging more. If it's costing me this much money to produce this product that I'm selling to my customer, I really need to charge about twice as much or three times as much as I'm charging them right now. Um, so, so that's very, very important. It helps you figure out if it makes sense, if what you're doing makes sense. So cost of goods or everything it takes to produce the service that you're offering, which is, and, and I think in my brain, the way I had to like really make sure I understood this is that it's a direct relations because I, I remember asking you, you know, well, what about uh, the software that I'm using in order to do my job to produce a service for them? And that you told me was kind of more of that overhead expense because for example, I use Asana for project management. I use it for my client work, but I also use it for my own work. I use it for all my clients. I, I use it in a lot of different ways. It's not directly, I didn't sign up for the subscription because my client needed me to sign up for that in order to produce the service that I was giving to them. Um, and that's mm -hmm. kind of the difference that I've made in, in my brain on that particular um, you know, example. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, right. So there are things, for example, um, you're going to have a, a subscription to Asana or a subscription to um, Canva or something like that. And, you know, you might use it a lot in the service of your, your client, but really you're not going to, you're probably not going to bill it to them as part of your invoice, right? It's something you're going to have to service all of your clients with that basically you can't stop and start when, you know, when you don't have that customer anymore, you're not going to stop it um, mm. because you don't have them anymore. You know, so it's something that you're using as your own business tool that you need to have in order to do the work that you do. But an example of a, um, a cost of goods might be like if you buy some stock photography of, you know, some pictures of people at work and you bought that specifically for a client, that's the kind of thing that is your cost of goods. And in many cases, by the way, you can pass those, those charges along to your customer in their invoice. You know, if you say, well, I bought these, couple of, you know, I licensed this picture for you. And by the way, I'm going to charge you for it so that I can then hand it over to you to use however you want to in the future. That's part of your cost of goods. You're also getting reimbursed for it. So that's, that's also helpful. Let's, can we talk about that really quickly? Cause this was yeah. another confusion point that I had early on. 
um, which is things like that. So if I paid for something that I was going to get reimbursed, so another example that's come up for me is hiring a subcontractor that the Mm -hmm. client knew that I, for example, needed to hire a designer for this one particular part of a project I was delivering for them. They knew how much that designer was going to cost, all of that, but as a service to them, I took on the, the management of them, the paying of them, all that kind of stuff. And what I got confused by was I hired a subcontractor, but I thought, well, but I'm getting reimbursed for this. So like, what do I do with this person? And in reality, they're just another expense. They're a cost of goods sold. You know, they're like a, they're, Mm -hmm. they're a human, but they're really just an expense on your, on your P and L. And then Mm -hmm. it's going to balance out by the money that comes in from your client. And so that was like kind of a weird shift I had to make in my brain of understanding you know, that it doesn't, the particulars of that don't necessarily matter. Like I don't need to mark in my software, like, oh, this was a reimbursed thing because it's just going to flow in from the next invoice. Is that right? No. Right. Well, you should keep track of it just to make sure that when you're billing, that you're getting reimbursed for all the things you, you agreed to be, you know, when you and your clients set up, uh, your fee structure, there may be things that are, you know, where there's, just generally paying you for your expertise, but there also may be some line items of things that they're specifically reimbursing you for. Um, So, I mean, you'd want to track that just so that you're making sure that you bill them, you know, when the time comes, like I've, I've had uh, sometimes for customers, I'm creating some types of forms for them, like the 1099 forms, those things are expensive. So if I have somebody I'm doing that for, and I have to go to the store and buy like the big pack of them, even though I'm only making four, um, you know, I'll pass that along. And customers are like, oh yeah, that's, that's okay. We understand that stuff's expensive. Um, so that's, that's another example. You know, if you have to buy something specifically to do their project for them, then, you know, it's, it's certainly fair to pass that along to them. If you're, if you're subcontracting out to someone, and again, specifically for this, this customer or in a way that you can measure. So maybe you have an assistant that's helping on three client projects, um, then make sure you do the math and figure out how much time they're spending on each of those projects so that they can be, you know, that's considered the cost of goods for project A, project B, and project C. Um, And then if you're going to ask your your client to reimburse you, or if you're just building it into your your cost, what you're billing the client, make sure that you're covering those costs. Anything that you Mm -hmm. need to to deliver the work should be covered in those, in, in your cost of goods. Okay. So there's a lot to go into there, but, um, I don't know if this is true in all, uh, accounting software. I'm, I'm assuming it is, but in FreshBooks, there's this really cool, um, feature where as you're going through the expenses that flow, flow through, you know, um, there is a checkbox where you can say, this is, uh, reimbursable. I think it says, or yeah. something like that. And you can check yeah. it and then you assign it to the right client. And what that does is on your next invoice, it automatically adds it right into the invoice, which you can check and say, oh, you know what, I'm not gonna charge this for them. Or you can 
you can put a markup on it, you know? So mm-hmm. if you, if you pay for a Canva subscription, for example, for your business, but within that Canva subscription, you purchase additional stock photos. Well, you can charge them a little bit extra to cover the fact that you're getting it at a discount because you already pay for the software. You, you know, you can add a markup to it. So, mm-hmm. so that's one way to kind of keep track of stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that, that was helpful for me to understand that distinction. Um, and the other thing, too, um, in our You Can Do This course, I have a video about proposals and, and kind of how to figure out how much something should cost. And without going into all the details, there's line item where I basically say, like, write your whole proposal, then go through it line by line and project how much time you think each thing is going to take you. And then don't forget to add stuff like if you say, you know, this is an eight week project and we're going to meet for an hour every week, make sure you add in eight hours for all those meetings. But another line item would be just what you were saying, Beth, is that VA or something else that can be one of those like hidden costs or like sneaky things that you don't think about when you're putting together a proposal. But if you know this project is going to be so big, you're going to need someone to assist you on it then add in that cost. The client doesn't need mm-hmm. to see that. It's all going to be one big part of your final you know, proposal cost to them, but you should be building that in there so you know that that money is going to come directly from the client and basically go directly to your VA and, and you're not taking a loss on that also. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, bringing mm-hmm. it back around, but that um, just reminded me of that's something I need to do better at, I think. Well, yeah, this is the real world application of all of this this uh, profit and loss stuff that we've been talking about. Um, and, you know, it's it's like in the abstract, it sounds like profit and loss and what the heck is that? But if once we start talking through these concepts, it's, it's universal, right? Everybody's got this kind of stuff going on in their business. And it's, it's actually not that complicated. It's just that sometimes the terminology can be a little complicated and feel like it's going over your head, but it's, it's really not. It's, this is pretty straightforward stuff. Um, So our, our goal this month during financial literacy month, is to really try to simplify this stuff so that it's not, you know, this doesn't need to be complicated. It's really pretty straightforward. And if it gets to a point where it is really complicated, that's because your business is growing and cool things are happening. And that's the point at which you will want to really consider bringing in some outside help. Um, In our last episode, episode 37, Beth talks about the importance of having accounting controls in place so that um, money is being checked, you know, your checks and balances between different people handling the money flowing. And, and so, you know, if it starts getting complicated and going over your head, that might just, that could be a good thing. That could be an indication that you're growing, your business is doing really well, and now it's time to to get some help. So, um, but before you do that, you need to understand the basic concepts. And so that's why we're going through this. Okay, so we talked about cost of goods sold and how that's mm-hmm. directly tied to your ability to deliver your service or product. And then there's overhead expenses. And so that that shows up in a different point, a different part of the P&L? Yeah, so, so that's um, after you subtract out your cost of goods sold from your income and get your gross profit, then you will subtract out all of your other expenses. And so a lot of these are your general expenses, your fixed costs. For example, your rent. If your company is renting an office, you're going to have that rent whether you sell stuff or don't sell stuff right? You're still going to have that, that cost every month, 
your light bill, your um, somebody collecting your garbage, you know, all of that, that utilities, um, postage, insurance, um, and maybe paying yourself. These are all going to be things that still need to happen. You're still going to need to pay all of these bills, whether you sold work or you didn't sell work that month. So these are your, you know, this is like your monthly nut, as some of my clients have called it. It's the amount of money that you need to shell out every month, no matter how much business you have. Um, and so that's on the bottom half of the P&L and after you you add that all up all those expenses up and subtract them from um, your gross profit you're going to end up with your net profit and hopefully that's a positive number and hopefully it's a positive number <laughs> um, and so you real quick you sort of mentioned in that in that other you know your fixed costs Mm -hmm. your take home is put in there as well. Is that correct? Your take, whatever you're paying yourself. Yeah. If that's how you're running your business. So if you can set yourself up in such a way that you pay yourself the same amount every month, no matter what happens, then you're probably in pretty good shape and you're probably billing enough to cover your cost of goods and all of your other expenses too. I wouldn't put myself, I wouldn't, don't put your company into uh, a loss situation in order to pay yourself. So mm -hmm. you're going to need to rework the numbers if that's what's happening and also try to sell more work. So, you know, be mindful of that. You know, people, even though it feels like, you know, I have just have this little company and nobody ever looks at my financials. Actually, if you're going to go and buy a house or you're going to go and, you know, do something involving your your finances and your financial health those reports do get scrutinized so mm. you know it's it's fun to avoid taxes and all that but really you know try to make your your try to make your company run your company with a with a profit even if it's a small profit because if you're running your company at a loss to avoid taxes or to do you know whatever else you're trying to do that's not going to work for you um, in the long term, it's better to show that you're solvent in all areas um, of your financial life. Mm. So that's interesting. Even break even plus a little is better than than loss. So keep that in mind. And maybe I don't know if this is true, but is that you know sometimes I find that it's better to look at this on a quarterly basis yes, versus a definitely. monthly because. Sometimes I'm just I'm one invoice away from the whole thing changing. You know, I'm just waiting to get paid for work that I just finished or something. And it looks like I'm, I have a loss, but I'm just waiting for it. How does that, how does that get handled? Well, you know, if you're aware of what's going on, then you can manage that. Um, and that's why we want you to check your financial reports every month, because then you'll have a sense, like you may be feeling like, wow, there's money in the bank. I'm doing great. Well, you know, that money in the bank might've come from a loan and, um, and rather than income and there's not income coming in and therefore you're basically running your company at a loss. And a lot of, this is a, this is startup mode. This happens for a lot of folks when they're starting a business and you know, you have to spend money up front before you start making money come in. 
Um, and so that's a fairly common scenario. Just make sure that once you're a year or two or three into it, you're not still running it like that or else maybe you want to reevaluate what you're up to. Um, the idea of, of running a business is to make money and to be able to have the business sustain itself. So just make sure that as you're going through, um, and as you know, you're looking back, you know, and again, to Tiffany's point, look back at a quarter's worth of activity rather than a month's worth, because sometimes you will have some ups and downs and some, especially if it's just you providing um, work and, and getting the income, you will have some ebbs and flows. Um, and, but, but you're aware of those. Um, and just make sure that when you run your reports, you're going, okay, let me see what's happening for the whole quarter. Okay. That makes sense. Bottom line, positive. I'm good. Um, and then you can start digging into why the numbers are the way they are. Um, run, run reports for your own benefit where you can just really see what's going on in a lot of the, the accounting softwares. You can double click on a number to get more detail and figure out, oh yeah, why is it that we, I was just looking at a client's report earlier today and I'm saying, why is their computer line so expensive? And I realize it's because they bought a computer in the month of March and they decided not to capitalize it. They decided not to make it a fixed asset and they decided to expense it. Um, mm -hmm. So all of a sudden there's this big number, but I had to like, go in and say, what was that about again? Oh yeah, now I remember. And if they come back and say, well, what was that? Why was that number so high in March? I'll say, well, because remember you bought a computer and you decided to expense it in the month. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what's okay. going on. I think too, the other, so now we're kind of getting into what to do with this report and, and what, um, what things to look for. I think the other thing I always try and look for to save my future self is just, simply making sure that all of my expenses are coded and categorized properly. Um, sometimes your accounting software, you know, it learns over time, but sometimes it gets it wrong or um, sometimes something changed or maybe you uh, got refunded for something or whatever. Just instead of doing that all at the end of the year or the beginning of the next year when you're getting it ready for taxes, do it along the way and make sure that you're teaching your software to do it better next time and that you know there's no big errors happening um i think the other thing i use it as an opportunity for as well and this this sneaks up on me and maybe beth you have a um you have a tip for this is some of my contractors i pay from outside accounts like i pay from my paypal or i pay from venmo or whatever is most convenient to them and that's easily like I, I have one person I pay through Venmo and that's connected. And I know this is, I'm going to get a slap on the wrist, but that's connected to my personal checking account because that's mm -hmm. just how my Venmo is set up. I probably should set up a business one. Um, and so I have to like remember because that's not connected to my, my accounting software, my personal account. I have to remember to manually enter that in, you know, and, and add that receipt and make sure that that's a part of it. So it's, it's things like that, that you just really want to make sure. And again, I should just save myself and go fix all of that and just make it automatic. <laughs> well, a couple of things to unpack there. Okay. Um, I love that. I love that expression. Let's unpack this. Let's unpack um, that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of things there. One of the things is that your Venmo, let's say your Venmo is your personal Venmo and you're using it for a Kenza collective charge, just for the sake of argument. That's okay. exactly what it is. Yeah. 
you personally and Kenza Collective are two separate entities. Kenza Collective is a, is a corporation and it's a separate entity from you with its own bank accounts and its own tax ID number. You have a Venmo account that's connected to you, the individual, with your, your social security number and your banking information. Mm-hmm. What you could do, one, the, an easy way of handling that could be you have money in the Kenza bank account, you have money in your own bank account, you have checks that say Kenza Collective on them, and you have che- you know, you, you are Tiffany Jones and you have a bank account in your name. What you could do is just reimburse yourself. So you could you could send an invoice to Kenza Collective mm. as a as a personal individual saying, Dear Kenza Collective, I paid this bill for you on this date and here's all the backup and here's all the backstory. Would you please reimburse me? And then you could put on your Kenza Collective hat and say, hmm, as the CEO of Kenza Collective, this person called Tiffany Jones has just asked me for a reimbursement for something they spent their personal money on when it was something that that we're responsible for. So therefore, we will write a check to Tiffany Jones in this amount to reimburse her for this work that she just did for us. Mm. So, so, but mm-hmm. that's, you know, conceptually, you know, it's putting on two hats and, and I, I have a corporation too. And it's funny, like I'm writing myself a check to my name and signing it myself and then handing it to myself. And it's always a little (laughs) bit weird, (laughs) right? But you have to, you know, you have to conceptually wear a couple of hats, um, at the, Mm -hmm. at this sort of independent, contractor small business level that many of us are at you know you just have to remember to keep these things separate so kenza collective should be paying for kenza related stuff and Mm -hmm. whoever it is that pays that for the company should get reimbursed so if it were me putting it on my venmo you'd write me a check Right. And then code it, okay. code it the way you would code that, whatever that transaction is. So if you paid an independent contractor, make sure that when you reimburse and, and make a lot of notes, when you reimburse mm-hmm. yourself, you're saying this is for independent contractor fees. And then you can put that in cost of goods if you were doing that for a, a client that you build through the company. I want to make sure our listeners know that this is applicable to someone who has, if you're just a sole proprietor, then this doesn't really matter, right? But if you have an LLC or an S Corp or C Corp or some other entity set up for your consulting business or freelance business or whatever you do, that's where this starts to come into play, where you're trying to separate your personal self, right? Is that right? Well, Sort of, even if you're a sole proprietor, and we always recommend that if you're a sole proprietor, you set up your own personal bank account and your own business bank account so that you can Mm -hmm. try to keep everything separate. Even though it's between you and your own accounts, treat it (laughs) as if you were paying somebody else completely outside of your own orbit. That's the best way to do it. That's a discipline right there that I need to get better at myself. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too, which is to take the time to do that and to document it and to handle that flow of money properly. Because number one, it's just a good habit to get into as your business grows. 
Number two, mm-hmm. it saves yourself, your accountant, your bookkeeper, your tax person. It saves everyone down the road trying to figure out what the heck is this random transfer here and why did it happen and what's this for? Um, you know, it just saves everything and it just sets you up again for, for future growth. And, um, yeah. Okay. So that's a good practice to get into. We got a, kind of got a little off course there, but these are good (laughs) concepts to know and talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's go back to some practical. So we're looking at our P and L here. We have an understanding of cost of goods sold and our overhead expenses. Maybe we've noticed a couple of expenses weren't coded properly and we've gone back and fixed that and rerun the report. Um, what other, what other action items can I take from looking at this P and L? What should I be starting to dig into now that I'm really confident that all the data I'm looking at is totally correct? One quick thing. Um, if you're seeing negative signs, and I mean like literally a minus sign in front of your number or parentheses around a number in a place that you should not be seeing it, also dig in and see what happened there. So sometimes we make mistakes in data entry or our, you know, sometimes our our software, you know, is so smart that it codes things for us and it may have put something in the wrong place or you have may have put something in the wrong place. So, you know, you might have meant to put something in as income and you it ended up in expense and um just if you're seeing if you're seeing minus signs in places you shouldn't be seeing them, double click and or dig into that account and just figure out why is that maybe you've got a big refund or something like that and then that explains it but just just be be, be mindful and also be mindful of accounts that make sense and don't make sense for mm-hmm. example um you're probably going to end up every now and then with some reconciliation discrepancy something you couldn't track down avoid <laughs> Avoid the urge to create an account called reconciliation discrepancies or (laughs) errors or, you know, wrong stuff I can't find. Try to keep your, (laughs) try to keep your financials looking professional. And if the worst thing happens and you end up with $15 that you can't track down, but you think it's a bank fee, code it to bank fees. Or, you know, you really can't figure it out and it's like $15 that you spent in walking around money, but you were on a business trip and you know that you were. Call it travel or call it, you know, whatever office supplies or whatever makes sense and then move on from there. You know, you don't have to account for every single penny, although when you have other people working for you, you can ask them to account for every penny if you want. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a completely reasonable expectation. But for your own sanity, um, you know, don't leave, you know, weird, don't have weird stuff on your financials saying, you know, I I worked with a group once where um, there had been some credit card fraud. They didn't do anything wrong, but somebody had stolen their credit card and had spent it on some stupid stuff. And it was like there was a line called credit card fraud on the financials. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> we're not we're not using the word fraud anywhere on our financials. It just gives people the wrong idea. So, money I've made from credit card fraud. <laughs> yeah, as 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 much as yeah, I mean, yeah, as much as that was a completely innocent 
you know, they, they put it there so they could remind themselves, oh, we're going to get reimbursed for this, this erroneous series of transactions. And it's mm-hmm. going to happen later in, in, on in the year, which by the way, I, I would put that somewhere on the balance sheet. And if you're having this problem, get on Slack with me and ask me how to deal with it. And I'll give you some ideas, but cause this is very specific, but what I'm saying is <laughs> be also careful about how you're naming your accounts on your, your financials. Um, there's some best practices, um, whatever software you have might've already given you a prepackaged list of accounts. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't stray fair, very far from those accounts for now. I mean, you might want to combine telephone and internet if they're not combined, or you might want to, you know, you might want to put a few together, but, but stay fairly within the, the, the suggested accounts that they're giving you. Oftentimes those are based on the tax forms that you need to Mm. fill out in order to report your, your, um, deductions during the year. And the accounts to be clear is, is another, I think at FreshBooks, they call them categories. So what category does this fall under? That's the same as accounts, right? Yeah. So accounts, um, accounts are usually, well, there's, there's what's called a chart of accounts and a chart of accounts is a list of all of the accounts that you have and what type of account that they are. So there are different types of accounts. There are balance sheet accounts. There are P and L accounts. So, um, within your balance sheet accounts, you're going to have asset accounts. You're going to have cat bank accounts, um, accounts receivable, prepaid expenses, fixed assets, uh, within your, um, within your liabilities accounts on a balance sheet, you're going to have long-term debt, short-term debt, accounts payable, credit cards, you know, so a lot of times the software that you're working with will give you some, some ideas. I know in QuickBooks, if you go to set up an account, it will say, what kind of account is this? And you get to choose, is it a bank account? Is it a accounts receivable and so forth. And, and if you can't, if you can't find the type of account in the list, it gives you some more to look at and, and, you know, it's helpful. Again, get on a Slack with us and, and ask a question if you're not sure. Um, because some of these are, are fairly easy for me to answer quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and rather than spending an hour chasing your tail around the room, trying to figure it out or <laughs> yeah. feeling really intimidated, it's, it's, yeah, well, we can help you as possible. So the other thing is, so your chart of accounts has, um, a, a way I like to do it is to have numbers for all your chart of accounts, uh, have numbers attached to the account names. That way, if you're mm-hmm. having someone else help you code things, let's say you're, you've gotten big and you've got now got five employees and you need to, them to tell you specifically what account code uh, something went to. Um, numbers are helpful because then they can say, you know, code this to account number one, two, five, five, oh, and then sign their name. And then you're like, you know, hello, auditor, here's a piece of approved and approved documentation signed off on. And, you know, down the road, if you're wondering why something happened, you know, what, who, who paid for this magazine subscription? And then you go and you find the bill. Oh, it was Frank. Okay. Let's go ask Frank what he was thinking when he got this stupid magazine or whatever it is, or <laughs> yeah. does he know this is part coming out of his budget? You know, mm-hmm. that gets, 
this is how this all evolves later on down the line and it gets entwined with office politics and so forth. Yeah. (laughs) No, (laughs) that makes sense. Okay. So some of the action items you can take are sort of cleaning it up, um, looking for any negative numbers, figuring out why that is, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that everything is, you know, in some sort of account or category or whatever your software calls it. Um, are there any other action items maybe we can talk about from a broader, more like business analysis type of perspective of what, you know, you look at your first quarter, you look at your P&L, what kind of information can you start to glean from that? Well, you're, you're obviously you're figuring out what your gross profit um, is. You're figuring out what your net profit is. You're starting to be able to project. So you're saying, okay, we're a quarter into this. And we've made $15,000 for this quarter. So now I can start to say, okay, so if I have three more quarters just like this one, I'm going to make $60,000 this year. And then how much am I going to spend on my my uh, cost of goods? Well, it looks like 39% on average cost of goods. And then I can do that math. And then I can say, okay, and then uh, if I were to take these these overhead numbers and realize that they're probably going to be about the same, maybe more for uh, maybe my power bill will go up in the summer because I'm going to have air conditioning running. So I'll add 50% there. You can start to do some, some back of the envelope, as we say, projections of how you're going to end the year. And you can start Mm -hmm. thinking about, well, hmm, do I need a raise right now? <laughs> or can I afford to take on this new person? So now let me take yeah. my budget numbers and let me plug in like some scenarios. So I, I'm so busy, I need to hire someone. Well, is are my numbers now sustainable? Or do mm-hmm. I think that they're built on, you know, some specific project I had in the first quarter? I made a lot of money in the first quarter doing this one sort of one-time project. So should I expect this kind of income for the rest of the quarters or should Mm -hmm. I change my expectation? You know, this is where it's just numbers that help guide the path. And, um, you know, instead of like, how do I, instead of running your business on how do I feel, you can do, this is a second set of, a second set of markers, which is how am I doing? Right. It's a more realistic look at it versus like, yeah, this should probably work. Oh, the numbers. Yeah, I think I could probably afford that. Let's just do it. It's like, no, what what can you actually afford before you get to a point in time where you're not able to pay a contractor because you didn't budget properly or you didn't project properly? Yeah. Or or case in point, like um, and and another thing we talk about a lot is reserve. But like case in point, you're you're working, 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 your computer breaks, you know, besides like how what a nightmare that is. What are you going to be able to afford to do mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. Like maybe you're going to look at this stuff and say, oh, you know, I haven't built a reserve and I know that I'm going to be cutting it close the next quarter let me figure out what my options are. Maybe I can borrow my husband's computer, my friend's Mm -hmm. computer for a month Mm -hmm. and then get something. But first I need to think about getting some more income in the door in order to be able to do that. But I know that when I do it, I'm going to be able to work better. You know, there's all this, the numbers support your case 
right? So use the numbers to support, you know, if you, if you figured out that at the end of the year, I'm probably going to have about $5,000 worth of profit and I'm feeling comfortable and a computer's going to cost me thousand bucks. I can justify that right now because mm -hmm. I feel like I know where I'm going and I'm going to end up okay. Even if I spend that money right now. Right. You're making a very conscious planned decision to take on a, a maybe debt or to finance it or whatever, because you know that this is not only going to help your, you do better work, but based on your projections and what you're expecting, you'll be able to pay that off before interest hits or something like that. Um, of course, be careful with that, but yeah. And, and likewise, likewise, you might find that, you know, you're, you want to order something from Dell computer and they're willing to give you some financing where you pay them over four payments or six payments mm -hmm. or something. And maybe you're feeling like cash wise, you know, it's not a gigantic loan and it's going to be over fast. Yeah. I think too, the other thing that's nice to, to look at on this is, you know, um, if you're at a point where the money you're bringing in and then the amount you're paying yourself, you know, you have extra. So let's say in your, your own household budget, whatever you're paying yourself is sufficient. And now you have some extra money that you need to figure out what to do with. Um, you know, this can show that. And, you know, obviously that's a discipline of, you know, oh, great, I'm making more money. I'm just going to pay myself more. I'm just going to spend it right away. Another way to look at it is, okay, here's, here's what I need in order to, for our lives to be comfortable, X amount of dollars a month. Okay, well, I'm getting 2000 over that every month. What can I do with that? Well, you can start investing in your cash reserve. You can start putting it away in a 401k that you can set up, um, you know, as a sole proprietor or through your corporation, if you have that set up, um, you can bring on someone to help take on some of your workload so that you can focus on bringing more money in the door. You know, this is just, again, kind of gives you, that's, you know, the ideal situation where you run your P&L and you're like, oh, I actually have quite a bit extra cash this quarter. What should I do with that? Um, and make some smart decisions with that extra cash. And actually next month, so we're in April 2021 right now, next month in May, we're going to be focusing on all, how to create, how to, how to create your own benefits as your own, um, you know, as you're self-employed. So how do you set up 401k? Um, how do you put money away in a reserve? Those types of things. Um, so that's, I think, another thing that I always am looking at too and hoping and wishing for, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and all of that stuff is possible. You know, it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and, and hopefully this stuff becomes more and more popular as we, you know, we all start to work for ourselves and encourage our, our friends and colleagues to do the same. Um, what if we just had a whole network of people working for themselves? Why not? Yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? A collective. A collective, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I feel like we've gotten a pretty good overview. So just to recap you know, try and pull your P&L report every quarter if you can and um, set a reminder on your um, on your calendar if you need to or your task management tool if you use something like that. Um, make sure everything is categorized and, and properly to save your future self. Make sure the data is correct to even get started with. See what's going on there. See what adjustments you need to make in order to hit your goals for the year. See how that could flow into the budget that you've hopefully created for your business. And just use this as a, a real life look at what's actually going on in your business versus what you maybe think is going on in your business. 
Yes. Yes. And, and also document carefully everything that you do. And the mm. reason for this is, is you want to just make sure that later when you're saying, now, what was that all about again? Mm. You can remind yourself quickly, you know, keep good notes and keep good backup and figure out how you're going to do that. Because then that way your, your P and L and your balance uh, sheet become like a story. And there's, there's a backstory for all of it that you can be reminded of at some later point. Is there anything else as we start to wrap this up that you want our listeners to know about their P&L um, report or any other reports um, that they should be looking at or thinking about or paying attention to? Start small with developing your comfort level with this stuff and don't get intimidated by it. You know, just go one day at a time with this. And again, we're, we're here for you. Um, if you want to have me come and spend an hour with you, walking you through various topics, I'd be happy to do that. You can book, book some time with me, um, or ask any easy questions on our, um, our new Slack channel where we are addressing right. any, any number of business issues. So yeah, you can do this. Yeah, you can totally do this. And um, as Beth mentioned, check out the show notes uh, for this episode. There's a lot of helpful links for you, other financial-related podcast episodes, a uh, way to join our free Slack community where you can ask uh, really specific questions and get really specific answers um, and also help the collective at large kind of understand some of these, um, the ins and outs of finances. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast, The Kenza Pod, um, as we're talking all things finance the month of April. And then follow us on social at Kenza Collective. Um, we have a lot of really cool things coming up, cool topics that we're gonna be covering, everything to help make your journey as a freelancing, independent, professional parent a lot easier and demystify a lot of these things that we just weren't taught, but that aren't that difficult to understand because we know that you're smart and you're driven and mm -hmm. you can figure things out. Yeah, you've, you've birthed a human. That means that you, you kinda, You've got things figured out at this point. You've mm -hmm. created a person or maybe multiple people. If you can do that and walk around with a person in your body for nine months and birth them. I mean, really, You can seriously. figure out your P&L. You can figure out your P&L. You got this. After going through labor, whenever like, whenever I'm having some sort of medical procedure, like a, a shot or teeth work or something, they're like, this is going to hurt. And I'm like, dude, I went through labor. I'm good. This isn't, this isn't even going to touch the pain that I know. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Kenzo pod. We hope it was helpful. If you have questions, hit us up. We will do our best to answer you. And uh, remember, you can do this. We're here to you help. can totally do this. 